Welcome to This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. One verse, one truth, one choice. Hello, and welcome again to This One Thing. I'm Carrie Kenyon Dern, and I have my dear friend Melina Puente back here with me this week. Hi, Melina. Hey, Carrie. <laughs> we are in Isaiah 64 again this week, and this week we're looking at verse 8. But before I jump into reading that, I just want to remind all of us that last week as we looked at Isaiah 64, verse 4, we were looking at the cry of the people of Israel through the prophet Isaiah, and they were basically saying, we need you to show up again. We need you to shake the mountain of our lives like you have before. And then this proclamation went out, and the proclamation was, for since the beginning of the world, no eye has seen and no ear has heard what a God like you will do for those who wait for him. So as we've been meditating on that passage, as we talked about that passage last week, of course, we've also been in the entire chapter of Isaiah 64. And the verses preceding right after Isaiah 64, verse 4, that we looked at last week, we see this groaning, this this reaching out to God in a place of despair because the people of Israel through the prophet Isaiah are saying, we have a really bad sin problem. We acknowledge that we're in rebellion. In fact, the picture is we are like dirty rags. And that is a very, very intense graphic picture. If you study what that means in the Hebrew, it is something that is vile and despicable. By Levitical law, they would have been told you can't touch those dirty, filthy rags. So it's this picture of we have fallen so far away from you, God. We recognize that we can't reach you because of our repetitive sin problem. And so, God, we need you to reach out for us. That is the context that we go into verse 8 with. And in verse 8 of Isaiah 64, we read this. And yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. So if you read this verse, Melina, verse 8 of Isaiah 64, in context, you recognize that it's a cry for help. Yes. It's God's people saying, you know what, 911, we have so royally blown it. We need you to get back to you. We are unable to have a relationship with you unless you draw us to yourself. Now, this word formed here in verse eight is very important because it it throws us all the way back in the Hebrew to the creation account. In Genesis two, verse seven, it says, the Lord God formed a man's body from the dust of the ground and breathed into it the breath of life. And the man became a living person. That word formed in the Hebrew all the way back to the accretion account in Genesis chapter 2 is the word yatsar in the Hebrew. It's the potter, the one who forms us. Hmm. So it's a picture in the creation account of God literally scooping up ground, scooping up earth, making clay, and forming us like a pottery vessel with great intention and care. And that is a picture that we see all through the Old Testament prophets. Jeremiah was a big fan of this analogy. Isaiah used this analogy multiple times. In Isaiah 29, 16, he says that God, he is the potter, and he is certainly greater than the clay. Should the created say of the one who made it, he didn't make me? Or does a jar ever say, the potter who made me is stupid? 
<laughs> that's in verse, that's in, that's in chapter 29. And then he continues, Isaiah does, in chapter 45, verse 9, by saying, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator. Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, stop, you're doing it wrong? Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? So it's interesting that this is the third time the the prophet Isaiah is, is trying to appeal to the people of Israel to understand this relationship that they need to have. And what is it? The best possible way that we can summarize what he's trying to get across here, Melina, is there has to be a willful act of surrender. Mm-hmm. And that is what he's calling them to now. In Isaiah 64, verse 8, he's saying, you cannot get to God because of your sin problem. You need to surrender as clay surrenders in the hand of a potter. Because he is your potter. He has formed you. He has shaped you. I want to talk a little bit more about that actual picture of the pottery in a minute. But before I do that, Melina, I want to hear from you. As you've meditated on this verse, what would you say is the biggest and the first thing that really jumps out to you with this analogy of God being the potter and you being the clay? For me, that initial thinking my life, I had it in control. I had landed the perfect job was making the most money I could have ever made. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I've made it. I've, I'm coaching a varsity basketball team. Like, life is so good. I have been working so hard to be this person. Mm-hmm. And I had done all the things I could do to get there. I saw an article that a friend of mine had that says, are you really happy? I start reading the article thinking, of course I am. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I be? The article, which was a Billy Graham uh, magazine, turned out that I was missing a few things. Mm. Just that relationship and the deeper sense of who's shaping your life right now, Melina. Mm. And so being able to not strive for the things I was creating, but instead I realized there's joy and there's a surrender and even a humility to trust that God could actually make my life even more amazing. Mm. Because I thought it was going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, It's in the maturity after making that choice to walk with the Lord that I can reflect now and see. Mm. He was shaping that moment for me to realize I worked hard for that, but there was more. Yeah. It was like you you made your dream come true. And he said, I see you and I raised you. I've got a bigger (laughs) dream for you. And I've got a dream for you that's going to bring you joy and fulfillment. Not just put money in your bank account. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I love that because I think that so oftentimes we do set goals and we set, you know, um, we have dreams for our lives. Those are good things. Inherently, they're good things. But if we're not in a posture of surrender, recognizing that only God can mold and shape the ultimate life that he wants to live through us for his glory, that's the only way we're going to be truly satisfied and truly fulfilled. Yes. You know, I often say half jokingly, if I can dream it up, if I can think it up and if I can do it, it's probably not God. It's got to be bigger than what I can dream up, bigger than what I can do in my flesh. It's got to be a God sized dream, meaning I didn't come up with it in my head. And I certainly can't take credit saying, look what I built. Look what I made. Look what I did. And that's what I'm hearing you say. Now you're living a life that brings you joy and fulfillment and satisfaction. You're in his service and you're realizing that is what makes me happy is serving him, being obedient to him. 
That's beyond being my dream of being a coach or making X amount of money or job security or even like what we talked about last week, your singleness. When you're living in his dream for you, the dream that you had for yourself just very strangely kind of melts away. It kind of vaporizes and you're like, yeah, that's not as important as I once thought it was. So what's interesting to me, as I have studied this process of pottery making, the first thing that became really clear to me, Melina, is that when the prophet Isaiah wrote this, this book, this was a very common illustration for the people reading this. They would have seen potters making clay pots on the side of the road outside of town. Usually pottery was made outside of town because of the fumes, the smells of the Mm. fires, the kilns that we call them now. It wasn't a pleasant smell all the time. So they were a little bit out of town, but this is a everyday essential, right? Having a piece of pottery to get water, to gather food, to cook a meal. They were dependent on pottery. For us today, a pot made out of clay is decorative. It's an artifact in a museum or it's sitting on a shelf to display. Isn't that lovely? Look at that clay pot. It's craftsmanship today. But we first need to remember that this is an essential part of their lives. And so this analogy has many different meanings, but one of them when these prophets, Jeremiah and Isaiah specifically, are using this analogy of the potter and the clay, they're saying God intentionally formed you for a useful purpose. He has intention. He has a job, something very specific for you to do. And and I think it's simple. It's a reminder we need to have because when you recognize that this clay pot that this analogy is referring to is something that was critical to their everyday lives. This meant something for them to say, you are the potter, we are the clay. It's the difference between being sidelined and and being thrown away by a lump of clay that is not pure. It hasn't gone through the wedging process. It's rendered useless. But when a potter makes a pot, they they go through many, many different steps. Now, back in biblical days, when, when this passage was written, the clay was often dirty. So first it had to be purified. Today, oftentimes, potters will buy clay that's already clean and it's already, you know, got the right moisture content and it's packaged nice and neatly. Back in biblical times, this was an extensive process of first cleaning the clay And then what we call today wedging the clay. And what that means is the clay has to be soft. It has to be pliable. It has to be malleable. It has to be clean. It has to be consistent in its texture. It has to have the right amount of moisture in it. It can't have any bubbles in it. Because if anything is off, when that pot is crafted and then it's put in the kiln, once it's put in the fire, if anything is off about that clay, do you know what happens to that pot when it's put in the fire? It explodes. Whoa. So the master potter has to know exactly what he's doing when he crafts this pot. The clay has to be perfectly cleaned, perfectly wedged, so that when that pot is put in the fire, it can withstand the heat. Now, if Mm. that's not an analogy for our lives, I don't know what is. Wow. If I don't let him refine me, Melina, if I don't let him purify me, if I don't let him take all the bubbles out, which is my flesh and my will and my stubbornness, and then I go into the fire of life when I am tested, when things go wrong, when somebody I love gets sick, when 
I lose the money I thought was my security or I lose a relationship that was dear to me. When I go into the fire, if I have not been properly submitted as a lump of clay to the potter, I will not withstand the fire. Mm, And that is what the prophet Isaiah is saying. Through him, the people are collectively speaking, say, God, we have a sin problem Would you take the lump of clay that we now acknowledge we are? Would you purify us? Would you clean us? Would you take all the fault out of us? Would you prepare us for the fire? Because we recognize that without you, we will never become who you created us to be. Yes. So as we reflect on this whole picture of the potter and the clay and the wedging process and going into the fire, Melina, what is a choice that comes up for you that our listeners can make this week as you reflect, as we reflect in Isaiah 64 verse 8? The first thing that comes to my mind in terms of choosing, I've got to choose to believe that I am glorious, that I was created perfectly. He has shaped everything about me. I'm beautiful to him. And it was highlighted for me. I was on a backpacking trip and I got to climb to the top of Half Dome. Mm. There I was in awe of this 360 view of just glory. And I'm just, hallelujah, Lord. Like I just was almost in the edge of tears. And this quiet place in me just was the spirit speaking, just said, you know, the way you look at this creation, the way your breath is taken away, Melina, he says, I look at you the same way. Like, mm. You take my breath away, Melina. Wow. And it was just this moment of understanding he's the one who's in charge. He's created everything so perfectly and there aren't any mistakes. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit we're going to be able to recognize that sin issue. But if I am bogged down in this unworthy place, of, then I won't be able to see the highlight of how it was created, which was to be glorious and made by the potter. Yeah, that is such a beautiful illustration and one I won't forget. I love that. If we could stand in awe of how he sees us for one minute, not not because it's about us, but because we recognize that we're saying you are the masterful potter. God, you're an artisan. You don't make anything that's not amazing. You know, exactly. he, he created us in the creation account and he says, oh, that is very good work. You know, he's patting himself on the back going, oh, I did good on you. And we love to argue with that, don't we? Oh, yep. That's why I took a minute to read these passages in Isaiah 29. And I invite all of us to reflect also on Isaiah 29, 16, Isaiah 45, 9 that I read earlier, because that is what we do. We argue with the one who made us going, stop, you're doing it wrong. Or how clumsy can you be, God? You didn't do good work on me. Throw me back on the wheel. Let's go for another spin here because this is not the pot I want to be, right? And God's saying, no, no, no. I need you to understand that when you submit to me, I am the master potter, you are the clay, you become a reflection of me because art is a reflection of the artist. Yes. Who he is, is reflected through his work of us. And we need to surrender to that because like I said, Melina, sometimes it's painful. That purification process of the clay, that wedging process of the clay, that is a painful thing. You know what? It's a painful thing to be a lump of clay thrown on that wheel 
and to be spun around and around and around and then thrown into the fire. And God's saying, do you trust me that I'm with you in the purification I'm doing? I'm with you in the wedging process that I'm doing. I'm with you in the kiln, in the fire that I'm putting you through. And will you trust me that I'm not being unkind? That I'm making you, Melina, I'm making you, Carrie, I'm making you, listener, into the masterpiece that I originally created you to be. I am with you in the purification. I am with you in the wedging. I am with you in the fire. And so for me, along with your choice, yes, absolutely, we need to remember he doesn't make junk. He sees us as glorious. And along with that, we need to recognize that he is still working in us. He is still making us more like Jesus. That is the very definition of the sanctification process that we're in until we see Jesus face to face. So the challenge for all of us in this passage is recognize if there is sin that needs to be confessed, that we confess that sin, that we surrender again to the process that he is putting us through, however painful in this season of our lives, because he is refining us, forming us, shaping us like a potter with clay into a masterpiece for his glory. Melina, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your beautiful pictures, your insight, wisdom, the application that you brought to this passage. Very, very insightful. I appreciate it so much. The honor's mine. Thanks for having me. Yes. Next week, I am feeling very led to share a truth and some insight that God's given me on Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. And that is a picture of the worship that's going on in heaven. And it ties into what we're talking about today. This surrender moving into the question of, is he really worthy? Whatever it is he's asking me to walk through, is he worth that? It's a question that keeps coming up for me with clients in the counseling office. And it is the next step. As we say, he is the potter. I am the clay. He's asking us to surrender then the question becomes, how do I surrender? I surrender when I remember that he is worth whatever he asks me to go through today. So let's pray, and I will look forward to diving into this passage with all of you next week. Father God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you are a faithful potter, even when we are disobedient, willful, dirty clay that you purify us, that you mold us, that you shape us into a masterpiece. And like Melina said, you call us glorious, even as you are working us on that potter's will, even as you are purifying us, even as you are making us more like your son, Jesus, you see who you created us to be before we can see it. We surrender to you as the potter this week. We surrender to whatever you're asking us to walk through, whatever hurts, whatever's painful, whatever feels like loss, because we recognize that you are removing from us anything that you don't need in our lives right now so that you can fill those places, even the painful places, the places places of longing, the places of heartache, the places of brokenness. You want to bring more of yourself. Fill us with yourself in those areas of our lives. Teach us to trust you. Teach us to surrender even when we don't understand. Teach us to say, yes, Lord, you are worth it. I surrender today what I do not understand because I know that you are trustworthy. I don't need to understand today, Lord. I trust you. I trust your heart for me. I trust your love for me. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. Find all our episodes by clicking the podcast link located on our website at fetterfree.org.